Hi there, I'm Robin Amos. Here with me today is Peter Mann, Chair of New Wealth Consolidator, Radiant Financial Group, and former Chief Executive of Scandia, here to talk about his new venture and the topic of consolidation more generally. Thanks for joining us. You're more than welcome, Robin. Now must be a tough time to establish a consolidator, given uh, rising regulatory pressure and competition. Hmm. How does the business plan on weathering these? Yeah, I think it's I think it's a tough time because there are uh, you know, a lot of market participants, an increasing number of market participants, but perversely, I see the increasing number of of market participants as a demonstration of a wide recognition of the opportunity. And and actually, Robin, it's probably one of the influencing factors in businesses considering the realization of the value of their assets is that very same regulatory pressure that you refer to. And there are, the running of a financial services business, advisory business now, is very different from what it was a few years ago. Um, largely because the weight of governance and compliance constraints or or things you have to do uh, weigh heavily on small to medium-sized enterprises. So, you know, from our perspective, the regulatory landscape doesn't necessarily impede our ability to um, acquire firms or or to integrate firms. Uh, we see it rather more as a contributing factor to them wanting to be acquired or integrated. How has the uh, coronavirus pandemic impacted the market? Fascinating, really, because over many years, many different reasons, I've often said the advisory community is a remarkably resilient community. And I've typically said those things against the backdrop of the legislative change, the financial pressures, the market circumstances, investment returns, et cetera, et cetera. But this time, I think the the business advisory business has really excelled itself. Um, I mean, the the pandemic generally has been a massively difficult issue for everybody to cope with, both physically and mentally. But advisors, as ever, have adapted spectacularly well. And, And now, if you speak to a broad range of advisors, I think the general sentiment will be that client meetings are arguably more efficient. Some people still, and I'm I'm one of them, still miss the personal interaction. Um, But I think in terms of communication, the businesses have reacted splendidly. And certainly as a client, I feel as close, if not closer, to my advisor. Um, I think, as we're recording this, we're beginning to see a light at the end of the tunnel uh, through the vaccination programme and other factors. And it will be really interesting to see how the advisory community integrates itself back into what was the prior COVID norm. And I expect to see some quite long-lasting changes. And I think, generally speaking, those changes are for the better. I mean, has it radically impacted your your plans as a business? No, not at all. Um, We launched uh, the business officially in November, um, which was kind of lockdown two. Um, But the the genesis of the business took about a year or so before that. So actually the genesis of the business, the implementation, the planning and the execution was largely done 
in a COVID environment. And you know, we, we've managed to get the things that we wanted to do up and running in the timescales that we set over 15 months ago now. How much money are you having to spend on buying new firms right now? There is no answer to that question because <laughs> by the very nature of the advisory business in the UK, every firm is different. So the, and, and, and the aspirations of every firm are different. So if we are looking at a total purchase, um, then the, the multiple really depends on the, long, the longevity of establishment of the business, the intentions of the principals, the well-being of the advisors and how we would look after them in, in the future so that they can enjoy their time with us and flourish. Uh, the business mix is important. The recurring revenue is a factor, both as a percentage, both as a quantum, but also as a percentage of the total remuneration. So there are a whole host of things that go into the mix to affect uh, the final valuation that we replace. Um, so there is, sadly, no answer to that. Um, quite a lot of firms that we're seeing are thinking about what, what is effectively a partial sale. Um, so uh, for those people who believe the journey that we're on in Radiant, uh, then there is an opportunity to join us in part for the remainder of that journey. Um, by rolling over a proportion of their sale proceeds into Radiant shareholding. Um, it's, it's, an, it's, an, it's an emerging model, I would say, rather than a model that is prevalent at this point in time. Hmm. I mean, um, would you say that, uh, you know, the kind, I mean, obviously, as you say, it really depends from business to business, but would you say on average, perhaps, uh, I mean, have um, prices for firms been rising or, or falling? Uh, yeah, I think if anything, they've been edging upwards. Mm -hmm. um, and that is a function of two things, I think. Firstly, it's a function of quality. Um, so your advisor businesses are well run, well organized, typically displaying high proportions of recurring income versus single income, which of course helps with the multiple. And, and secondly, I think it is slightly a function of competition. You know, there are more consolidators in the marketplace today than there were this time three to five years ago. Hmm. So competition naturally edges prices of pricing up a little bit as businesses try and establish themselves. Hmm. Um, and, and they build both USPs different ways of approaching um, consolidation, yeah. but there is an edging up of prices. So, uh, I mean, in a sense, perhaps, uh, you know, uh, although regulatory pressure is, you know, in, in a sense, favorable and in, in um, kind of pushing some of the smaller businesses to sell, it's, mm. not, it's not quite outweighed the, the competition. Well, at least for the moment. Uh, <laughs> at least for the moment. <laughs> Yeah, yeah and, and I think you know, in conversations of this nature, it's quite appropriate to focus on price. Mm. But actually, um, the primary consideration that we're experiencing is where there is um, so, so a kind of confluence around price, where there isn't market differences in the prices that 
good quality consolidators are prepared to pay, then other factors become increasingly important. And, and one thing that is refreshingly important to see is I would say the primary concern of high quality advisory firms when selling to a consolidator in the marketplace is how their clients will be treated in the future. And, and I think it's personally very refreshing to see that as what I would see as the primary consideration. Mm -hmm. um, most people, in fact, all of the people that we've spoken to first so far genuinely care about the ongoing quality of advice that their clients receive after they have sold their business. Yeah. And, and also the way that the advisors who will remain in the business are to be treated, how they will remain free to express themselves, how their client interaction will be <clears throat> improved, if anything, uh, but certainly not dampened in any way. Those are probably as important, if not more important, considerations than price. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, you said previously, I think, that um, you aim for one of the key differentiators of Radiant as a business to be a shared culture and vision. I mean, mm -hmm. what, what, I mean, in a sense, I, th I suppose part of that is an encouraging, um, you know, you're sending a message to advisors that their clients will be looked after um but but what does it mean in practice in practice it's a business that you know if you look at the constituent parts of the board uh, and the ownership of the radiant business it is a business run by advisors for advisors most of the executives in the business and even one non-executive have been um advisors so they understand the needs of advisors that uh, and we want to try and build a culture where advisors and clients are our principal concern. And that means when we build something, when we buy something, when we do something, it will be done with the advisors and the clients at the heart of what we do. Mm. And, and I think one of the things that we certainly have begun doing is listening. Um, we don't have... The, the answers to all of the questions. In fact, we don't even know what all the questions are from uh, advisory firms. And we're learning along the way. Um, and we're sufficiently nimble to be able to accommodate what we see, see as an ever-developing landscape. Um, so the culture is really important to us. You know, where I've done things in the past of this nature, and you ask the people who have joined, why they joined, assuming that the price was you know, pretty competitive, it, the answer is always the people. Yeah. It's always people that you feel that you can work with and people who will treat your clients fairly as you did. The implication of, of you know, saying, you know, putting forward shared culture and vision as sort of a different, differentiator, mm. that sort of implies that that's, that's not always very common uh, consolidators. I mean, would you mm. say that's the case? Uh, I wouldn't say it's a general trend, whether it's a, whether it's a focus. So for us, it's a restless focus, right? And it informs everything that we do, everything we develop so far, and the people that we employ. And we've employed quite a lot of people since the inception of the business in November. And our process for recruiting, I think, is very, very different because it's there's a lot of um, cultural emphasis 
and emphasis on fit both with ourselves and also the advisory firms that we will buy another sort of interesting thing i think is is you know over the last year in particular we've seen a shift towards uh consolidators raising money from private equity and i think that's the case and uh with with you um and you know i was just wondering if you could tell us a bit about what's driving that trend yeah what's driving that trend is the quality of the sector um you know as private equity cast their eyes across the different sectors Mm. that are available for them to invest in i think wealth management businesses increasingly have the light shine upon them um they're well-run businesses typically they're very well governed businesses typically the quality of income where a good proportion is recurring is very good but I think most importantly, the opportunity is good. Mm. The opportunity to make a real difference. I mean, private equity don't ultimately want to sell the business that they bought. They want it to be different, whether it's different in terms of having expanded its offering or whether it's different in terms of having grown. But you know, PE aren't going to make a lot of money out of selling the business that they bought. Mm. Uh, they, they need it to be different, bigger. And, and the opportunity in this market sector is, I think, what attracts private equity. The underlying financial metrics are strong. The governance is strong. The management is typically very strong. Um, and the opportunity, as far as I can see, is pretty strong as well. So it's a good sector. But, but would you say we're, we're, you know, we could uh, perhaps witness a, or are witnessing possibly a shift away from consolidators raising money on, on the public markets? Um, I'm not sure we ever saw a really significant trend of consolidators doing that. But where, where we did, I think yeah, if you look at the recent transactions, mm-hmm. then there is a very high proclivity towards PE backing. Um, yeah for the reasons that I've just explained. So I think, Robin, that trend is establishing itself. Uh, you know, public markets still have some value. Uh, and for some businesses, it is absolutely the right thing to do to see mm-hmm. public on, you know, whether it's secondary listings or however you raise public money these days, um, there is some value in it. But I increasingly see, and the market increasingly shows, mm-hmm. PE as being an attractive way of raising money. And from both sides of the equation. Hmm. I mean, would you, you know, would uh, Radiant consider uh, listing at some point, possibly? Um, It's hard to predict what markets, I mean, the the difficulty is that for most businesses in the consolidation market, the natural list route is a secondary listing on AIM. And whilst it's a very well-regulated and well-controlled market is quite an illiquid market mm-hmm. uh, at some at some levels so that suits some people and not others and i certainly wouldn't put a listing out of the question at some point in time um, we really have to see how quickly we grow and how we grow to see where the best fit for our next transition is but you know we're at the start of a journey and we're not really thinking about the end yet. Great to have you with us, Peter. Thank you very much for the opportunity.